0: Hey folks, welcome to Pro Football Ireland as we get ready for Week 14 of the NFL season. Michael McFadden, Mark Hogan, Jason Head on Ireland's biggest, Ireland's best NFL outlet, Pro Football. Irlanda, at NFL Ireland on all forms of social media. Eight date tour coming up over the next few weeks in January. And one date change: Jeff Ryan Bowl night in Limerick on Championship Sunday. e slash NFL Ireland. Mark my
1: Good to be back. Missed um, Wednesday's show with James. Had to miss that one. But uh, yeah, good to be back. This is my last podcast for over a week now. Well, for a week, I suppose. Where are you going? Uh, over to the States. I didn't quite get Dallas Eagles across the line. Um, we finished up last weekend's podcast and I kind of alluded to it. And uh, yeah, when Linnea heard that those were my plans, it was a hard no that was given. So I will be like you watching that on multiple TV screens, watching every angle because it's going to be. I think we're going to talk about that, so I better uh, not say too much more.
0: We are going to talk about it, but Jason, you think a man invested in the NFL as much as Mark Hogan fine. <laughs> <you? Stop. laughs>
1: I've got enough trips away now. With the last few weeks, and I have brought her along to Germany twice, and she said, "I'm not doing that again." Michael McQuaid will show up, and you won't stop talking NFL with him.
0: <laughs> Here, I, t- I tell you what, Jason. I bring you in this as well, I mate. Mean, like. We are now, I said at the Connor Mangan a few days ago on the Monday Morning Football Podcast, we have now got, what, five regular season Sundays left before we kick in the gear. We're weeks away from Vegas. This is the first weekend I've had at home since September the 23rd. And sweet Jesus, I am so excited. I want to say a massive thanks well to needed, everybody. Uh, well
2: needed, yeah. Um, I can't believe how fast this season has gone. Like, there's just the milestones, we've been, it felt like the midway point of the season was just two minutes ago and now all of a sudden we're heading towards the final stretch December football where it matters most Uh, yeah I just can't believe it I think it's a testament to how exciting the, the season has been and how much we've got to talk about it's just absolutely flown by
0: we're getting there it's been a big week and there's loads of different content coming your way not just this week but over the next few weeks a massive thanks to everybody that's came to an event that's listened to podcasts that's engaged with this podcast that's engaged with Ireland's only College football podcast as we reach college football playoff, also. But let's talk about the NFL. Let's not get bogged down on the college football playoff rankings. Mark Hogan with FS. I had a
1: good laugh when I saw that. I have to say, no, it's like, not I've like that. I, Hold on, I never understood that.
0: that's like saying to the Eagles that their Super Bowl didn't count because it's
1: not incredible. I like seriously though, like you're into it. I don't follow along, and I'm sure people do follow along to both, but like you can have. And an undefeated season, where your quarterback goes out with a day to go, and you like that's insane. That's brutal. It's like what? What were the other weeks for? Like it all comes down to nothing.
0: I completely agree with you. And let's let's jump into the week fourteen slate. We've got a double Monday night football, and it's really really interesting as we uh, go into the. 14th week of the season I was recording on a platform and I had a button by accident but we're back and the first topic that we're going to look at and talk about is the Green Bay Packers and Mark the Green Bay Packers is funny because you know we'll, we'll talk about a huge Sunday night game coming up in week 14 this week in a bit but last Sunday I sat up and watched the Packers against the Chiefs and the Packers having the upset not even an upset they were that good in my opinion I've been really pleasantly surprised at how well not just their offenses play, but you look at special teams. Like Dan Whedon looks like a guy that's been in the league for years. Their defense came up clutch as well against the Chiefs, and they now go into a situation where the state of the NFC allows them to believe in a playoff run. And you've got the rest of the league thinking, oh my God, have they got a guy in Jordan Love? It seems like it's a little bit too early to have that conversation with them. But when you're going up against a team in the New York Giants on Monday Night Football in Week 14, there you go, lad. Doesn't even matter the Giants of the bye week. They're going seven and six this week, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, look at their final five games. You just talk about there that the state of the NFC allows them to go on a run. Their final five games is all against the NFC. The Giants, the Bucs, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Bears. You'd imagine Barr a catastrophe with an injury that they're going to be favoured for each of those games. And suddenly a team that was once two and six, or two and five, I should say. Only had one loss the rest of the way, potentially has stormed into the playoffs. Um, they took a massive leap in the pair rankings this week because it was a statement. Look, when they beat the Lions uh, last week or the week before Sunday, it was one good win up in a raucous um, Ford field. But, you know, they had to back it up and they absolutely did that against Kansas City. And, you know, I'm never the one to jump on talking about just the quarterback because I save it for moments like this. And you have to say, that Jordan Love has looked fantastic. Benjamin Solak, if anyone pays attention to him uh, from The Ringer, does great film breakdowns. I was paying attention to one maybe Thursday last week. It was still pinned on his store uh, on his Twitter this week as late as Tuesday anyway. Maybe it's still there. I haven't checked again. But it just was a good breakdown of how Jordan Reed or sorry, Jordan Love is reading defenses like so fast that he has maybe a second and a half to decide that after the field has been wiped out and he has to go for the middle of the field and I think that's just that's it like he has clicked now look we might talk about what you said in a second like is he a franchise quarterback That's a whole other thing and that could be discussed in the offseason honestly which yeah when they were hoping that that was going to be what they saw at, at the very least this offense whether he was the future so if we look at those games one through seven when they had that two and five record he was 28th in pass rating 22nd in yards per attempt 31st in completion percentage through this nice little run they've had that they've been four and one he's gone to fourth in passer rating eighth in yards per attempt, 13th in completion percentage he's turned it around and it is that like they have Matt Lafleur who was undefeated in in December which is insane he's now 16 and zero. I just added on another five wins he's gonna be 21 and zero by the time December is out and it's like when you have a genius play caller and then Jordan love taking that massive step I should say I'm sorry after that Jason in a second Christian Watson, last year had a fantastic end to the season. He started off quite slowly through that kind of first stretch of the game. He's going to have massive confidence. He was averaging through this first half of the season forty yards per game. He's jumped up to sixty, and he's had he had one touchdown through what the first nine weeks, and he's had four in the last three. He's playing with massive confidence, and you know if, if that's just one case study or one sample of play, everyone's feeling they're all playing with confidence.
0: And j- just going on top of that as well, Jason. For me, two elements. Uh, Shout out to Derek Harger, who put a tweet on Sunday night saying, Romeo, take me somewhere we can beat Mahomes for for Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey, where has he He been over the last few weeks, boys? Jason, for me, it's about his ball placement. And you look at so many quarterbacks that come into the league, and there's hype, and there's hype, and there's hype. But he's had the time to sit behind a guy in Aaron Rodgers and he looks so like Aaron Rodgers when he's in the pocket under pressure. That game last week against the Chiefs was just an example of how good he can be. But frankly, going into week 14 this weekend, there's no excuses against a lackluster, in my opinion. Really poor New York Giants team never mind offence. This is a huge opportunity for the Packers to make a run, yeah?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And he, it's kind of a gone-off trend almost the way things used to be done. With Jordan Love having those few years to sit back and learn from a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Nowadays, it's, nobody has any patience anymore. You want your rookie quarterbacks, especially when they're picked in the first round. Um, you know, hitting the ground running and playing from day one. But it does seem like he's learned a lot in that time. This past week against, you know, a few days ago against Kansas Kansas City. Um, it was almost poetic. The way that he had his first start against them and struggled. And now a couple of years later. He said after the game, he had this this game circled on his calendar for a long time. And you could absolutely see how far he's come in that time. Even from the start of the season, it's the youngest team in the league and it's always going to be bumpy. They started pretty strongly um, in the first couple of games, but it never felt too sustainable. You know, Love's stats were pretty good, but there was a lot of, you know, two-yard passes being ran for 70 yards, and it didn't really feel like it was him actually doing it. But these last couple of games, it's absolutely been Jordan Love excelling, dealing with the blitz well, um, going through his reads, avoiding pressure when it comes, which is something that he struggled with early on. Uh, So it's just great to see how he's progressing, and testament to Matt Lafleur, as Mark was saying, the job he's doing. Um, With Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback last few years... You know, that was the easy part. They got their 12, 13 win seasons. Didn't get it done in January, unfortunately, with him. But this is a true test of, of a, a head coach. Building a young team from the ground up. And all you want to see is consistent progress. And they're absolutely delivering that um, these last few weeks. last five games of the season as well. One of the easier schedules out there, I think. Um, they have the Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings and the Bears as their last game. So 6-6 six six now. Absolutely no reason they shouldn't be making the playoffs. I'm guessing they're odds on at this stage. And for a team that I think everyone had forgotten about and rode off after the first seven weeks or so, um, they're looking like a legitimate threat after beating the Lions and the, the Chiefs. They could be. They could have something to say in January.
1: It has to be said as well that like when you're proving it against Kansas City, it's that we know Kansas City to be a very good pass defense and to be able to have success in the sec- success that he did I think that's what's really impressive. But to pump the brakes on, you know, what you alluded to there, Michael, about like, how good is this guy? Like, he
0: looks like Aaron Rodgers. The last week that the I... Join the, last... join, join the love <laughs> army, man.
1: No, I, I'm so into him as a young play coach, but this is the whole, you know, like, week to weakness of the NFL that drives me crazy. That like, you know, that he's used as a few weeks ago and now apparently he's... Don't get me wrong, I think he's great. But the last tweet that I saw that mentioned Aaron Rogers' name before that game on Sunday was talking about the greatest quarterbacks of all time and Will Gavin had put him down as the number four. And suddenly we're saying that Jordan Love's look, Jordan Love looks like the fourth greatest quarterback in the eyes of Manny of all time. I was like, he looks fantastic. But it's like that's where expectation, that's where people get frustrated. It's, it's like Obertan or Makeda with United you know, back in the day. It's like a wonder kid comes on the scene and it's like yeah, we're into it for a week and then we start slaying him again. It's the same with what we we've gone through with um, Drake London or son, sorry, not Drake London, the uh, Desmond Ritter, like or it's, you know, and all these. Mac Jones has had his ups and downs. So it's like
0: hold it on. has hold to be over on, hold on. Are we, are we really going to say, and this, this is what we're going to say. But ha- for how
1: long did we go on? This year, going into this season, we said that Desmond Ritter had proved it over nine games last year, that that offense should be class. Two years before that, Mac Jones was after coming off the Rookie of the Year, and we said that he was going to be the future. It's like they're after having three weeks now that they're after winning, and we're sort of suddenly, you know, putting him as a franchise, wondering how much money he's going to get paid. And it's like, yeah, he is going to get paid, but it's like, there's no point getting ahead of us. We can do, we can all get excited in the offseason. Like, just take a week to week because Brock Purdy, we were going to bench him only three or five weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and like, it's the short-termism of the, of, of the NFL and it's a perfect interlude to our next topic, which i will bring on in the stack. And Desmond Ritter, look at their record. Look at how, look, look at where they are going in. Wasn't wasn't nice at all against the Jets last week in week 13. But after watching, I watched a bit of the tape on Wednesday and I thought that the way the Ritter controlled the game in certain situations, he's so rough and rugged around the edge. They just need to find a way to get him to that next level. I'm certainly not in him. But it shows you that, like, I think going back to Dara Carter again, even he was tweeting about saying, like, how much are we paying Jordan Love? It's just that whole short-termism and people are talking about Brock Purdy now, a guy that rocked up in week 13 to Philly in uh, an outfit from Nordstrom and people were slagging him saying he dresses like your mom's, your mom's best friend or your dad's best friend. I mean, if you're getting to that stage where you're slagging the guy over what he wears, I mean, I hate to think what people are saying about me, boys, to be honest with you. <laughs> but the way, Mark, you know, it's, it's, it's lazy journalism for us to sit here and talk about their win over the Eagles. I think it's to talk about the perception of this team instead. is the 49ers. The Niners and the evolution of this offense. Because you think of a few weeks ago when they were in Minnesota. And they got blown, not blown out, but the crowd, everything was against them. And a lot of people would have been forgiven, including us for thinking, by week coming up, they're in trouble. And they have come back from that. Not just come back from it, but they have turned it around to an extent where they now look lethal. Now yes it's one game and yes there are different elements in the game where Philly could have got could have turned it on more especially in the first quarter of that game but on paper and what we've seen last week in week 13 the combination that Brock Purdy has with Debo and other guys on the offence it looks like this is a team to beat not just in the NFC but in the NFL overall um, what's your thoughts Marcus?
1: Yeah, and when you mentioned the NFC, the Cowboys went into this game having scored 40 points in three of their last four. And the other game in that four, they'd scored 30 points. Philadelphia was coming off wins against Miami, Kansas City, the Cowboys and the Bills. So when you then, the 49ers, look and say, okay, so when we played Dallas and Philadelphia... Not only did we beat them, but we com- we beat them by a combined 84 to 29. We blew the doors of our closest competitors within the NFC. That's what makes them competitive or, you know, so outstanding. Now, you mentioned the Vikings game, and I remember a bit of frustration From my end, that week, listening to everyone saying that Brock Purdy's days are numbered because he was after having those two late interceptions in the game, whereas I pointed to, well, he wasn't the one that fumbled in the end zone. It was Christian McCaffrey in the first quarter. But because of time of game when it happened, everyone was dumping on Brock Purdy. And I thought it was completely unfair. And it's like, look, the thing that we have to say about the 49ers is they are blessed with health. When you look at what's going on, particularly in the AFC or even particularly in the AFC North, The NFC hasn't been as hard hit and the 49ers of all teams still have their starting offense pretty much intact. I saw a stat that in the three games that Debo Samuel and Trent Williams missed time, that was when they went and lost three games. Other than that, they've been unstoppable. So it's like, yeah, they are blessed with health. They are able to keep a Christian McCaffrey on the field, so everyone is paying attention to him. That opens up the field for Deebo Samuel, who has more yak yards than anyone in the league per attempt. uh, George Kittle, when he's given the ball, he has yak yards. That opens up the field for um, Brandon Ayuk, who has an insane catch rate, and it's like he has an insane yards per ball thrown to him let alone when then you see um, Purdy scrambling out of the backfield. And this, by the way, is all masterminded by one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, Kyle Shannon, run the whole show. He has his whole arsenal there. So it's like, yeah, of course it's explosive because they've been able to say, stay insanely healthy and they've eliminated those turnovers that we were giving out about them what five weeks ago that we said the uh, the end was nine.
0: Jason, does it give you hope as a Cardinals fan that Kyler Murray can come back in and rejuvenate an offense quickly? In, in all seriousness, so Brock Purdy continues to defy logic. And I feel if he was a different player, he'd be getting even more plotted because there's guys like him. There's guys, frankly, like the whole different conversation. Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey are not being looked at as viable. MVP contenders because they don't play quarterback. The way that McCaffrey's played this season, but more so the way that this offense has played this season, Jason has been a joy to watch, man. And I have a feeling that we could be talking about them on Radio Row for a long time in a few weeks.
2: Absolutely, yeah. They could be um, could be favorites now. I imagine they are favorites for the NFC after that uh, dropping of the the Eagles. Tough one. There. That's that's the conversation right now regards Purdy. You know, should he be in the MVP conversation or? does his supporting cast take away from what he's doing? Easy to forget that A couple of years ago, we were talking about Mr. Relevant here. Like it's just a bizarre story that he's even in this position and he couldn't have ended up in a better situation. If any of the 31 other teams in the league drafted him, I think there's a good chance that we've never even heard of this guy's name and we don't even know who he is as a player. So it's just absolutely insane the way it's all worked out. and, And he's absolutely performing at a high level, you know, um, 9.6 9.6 yards per attempt. That's a full yard clear of Tua, who's running an offense um, quite like the, probably the, the most comparable offense to the 49ers in terms of being a well oiled machine and weapons everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's not just that, it's completion percentage, total yards, touchdowns. This guy is on pace to break a lot of franch- franchise records with the 49ers and, you know, the type of quarterbacks they've had down the years. I will say it's modern times now, so take that with a pinch of salt. But he's doing exactly what they've asked him to do. And when you have four absolute weapons, in a good way, I know absolute weapons can be taken as an insult as well. Uh, we have George Kittle, who still has it. Ayuk is one of the best young receivers in the league. On um, pace for well over a thousand yards, if I think he's just under it right now. Debo Samuel my headache player of the week, three touchdowns, just throw that in there. Um, the offense looks different when he's there in a much different way to, uh, I won't compare him to Tyree Kill, the player, because they, they are very different in what they do. But I think the similarity there is when they're both on the on the field, moving them around just makes the defense um, panic. And, you know, they're, they're a player who opens up things for the other guys on the team. And then, of course, you have McCaffrey Who's right up there in the MVP conversation that people were saying they overpaid for a running back when they made that trade um last year. But what if that's one looking at one of the best trades of all time, certainly one of the best in season trades of all time right now. The one thing I'll say, Mark, they're healthy. Absolutely. If there's any if there's a team that deserves to be healthy for a change, it's probably the 49ers. They've had a lot of uh injury bugs over the last couple of years. But they've been running McCaffrey into the ground as well. They haven't been holding him back, so it's interesting to see how a player like him carries that deep into December and into January. Now, um, they'll want to be watching it. You know, they're even rushing him out there for for um, to keep his touchdown streak going a couple of weeks back. Want to be a bit smarter with some decisions, I, th- I think, in that regard. But overall, look, this the whole unit is, is firing on all cylinders. It's it's just one of those offenses that we'll probably remember in years to come, if they can get it all all done in the Super Bowl in terms of just pure talent. And they better enjoy it when they can because if Purdy keeps this up for the next couple of years, then they'll have to pay him. And, you know, naturally some of that talent will have to disappear.
1: Yeah, oh. and it's, it, it, it's an interesting point about Christian McCaffrey because he has a 1,000 yards on the ground for the first time as a 49ers running back has since 2014 when it was Frank Gore. So it does speak volumes about like how, because, you know, they have been like the last few years we've gotten used to them, like plugging in so many different guys. And we did wonder about what was Eli Mitchell's future going to be last year when they made the trade. And it's like, no, Christian McCaffrey has taken over all the
0: touches. Just going on what we're talking about, Purdy and the eventuality of being paid. We know Kyle Shanahan, Purdy will end up being traded somewhere else and they'll, they'll draft somebody in the seventh round bring him in again because he just loves his system. He just loves his system quarterbacks. He never respects them. I, I think regardless of the situation, the way that Trey Lance was treated in San Francisco was its great. So, until they win a Super Bowl, we'll talk then. Can I give a massive shout-out also um, to the Irish faithful? The Niners are got a big watch party this oh, weekend. Oh, good thing you football. did that. I, yeah, and 100%. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. probably sorry. not going to get to it, unfortunately. But I'm going to try to. But uh, just... It's gonna be hard to get out of the house. My wife is like, "You're not leaving the house to Vegas." So uh, we'll see. Can I also just let people know that we're not presented by Guinness? Um, I have that exact same jumper, but we're not presented by Guinness yet. Not presented.
1: Uh, I wondered would I get away with it, but I was actually wearing a cardinal's top, and (laughs) Jason is wearing a cardinal's top. So I said, "Well, we both can't wear a cardinal's top going on the broadcast." Um, And I think I might have worn the cardinal's top last. Week so yeah I just I, I just uh, I have a rag lying around. That actually, top we actually we
2: America have a things. a rotation. We've a, a schedule made out yeah, we, <laughs> <Yeah. the Premier laughs> Cardinals, which we see. I'm um, gone.
1: I'm gone off my holidays, so I have to keep all the clothes that I want to wear on Holly on my Holly Bops clean. You know, I can always. It's like I won't be wearing the Guinness one. Imagine being the Irish lad that wears a Guinness top over in America. <laughs>
0: I think if you're going to wear it, that, that's where you wear it, to be honest with you. But look, each of their own, you're, you're heading on your holly bobs. And I, I'm presuming that you're not on next week. But I will say this. I'm just delighted, Jason, that we've now got a guy that's doing the live Twitter and something Night football. What a game this is. Yeah. What a game this is. Dallas against Philly in Dallas. And I'm just going to put it out straight up right now. This is not a boring, let's make a pick. Because we're not Adam Schefter. Nobody cares less who we're going to pick. That's how you write straight up right now. The Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football are going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles by 10 to 12 to 18 points. I think the Cowboys put a show on on Sunday night football and then explode over the next few weeks. I think this is the week the Cowboys go mad in the NFC. I think for Philly long term, last week in week 13, Mark could have been the best thing to happen for him because it's a bit of a wake-up call but this is like this is what we live for these sort of games jerry world seriani coming in this is a massive game and i'll tell you what i watched three quarters of sunday night football last week before my body coped and fell asleep i'm not going to have a problem set up to watch this this is a, this is a bigger game for me at the moment in terms of enjoying it as a neutral than any other game this season, including week 13 with the Niners and Eagles. You cannot beat December football, I don't care who you support, when the Dallas Cowboys are involved because it's always that hype train. And let's see if Dak Prescott has another good week this week. The whole MVP talk just keeps going and going, man, 100%. Huge game on Sunday.
1: On Sunday Night Football, we are seeing a year where the NFL keeps on setting like massive viewership numbers. And the Eagles have been part of the top three of the top five. And I don't think the Cowboys have been in one yet. And it's like this surely like rockets to the top because it is. It's massive and it's for the NFC East crown um, or sorry, not for the crown, for the for the lead for now. Um, It's definitely an interesting one. So you mentioned your headache there a second, Jason. I said going into the 49ers Eagles game, it was going to be about the run game and how the two teams were going to be able to deal with the opposing Uh, Ground defenses and the Eagles were not able to get the ball going at all. And it really stymied their entire offense. I mean, what was the number? They had 18 carries for 46 yards as a team on the ground. And that was padded by Jalen Hurts when he did move the ball. So they won't have to go against that, but they're going to get the same question that was posed the last time. is going to be posed again. How does... We had Dallas deal with AJ Brown the last time he only had 66 yards on 7 catches. Uh, Devontae Smith then had 3 catches for 51 yards and those 2 guys uh, have been playing fantastic but obviously those aren't fantastic numbers but then when you flip it on the other side CeeDee Lamb had an absolute massive game 191 yards when these guys played a few weeks ago and I have to kind of say like we talked last week about like mindset and I think that the Cowboys have to win the game because if they fall at home in at and in Sunday Night Football against a team that they really, really want to beat, I think that's definitely going to like figure it out or say sorry, sorry, it's going to play out. But I have to say that when you listen back to what Dak Prescott said after these teams met the last time, he referenced a game of inches or some variation of that 12 or 13 times. Because they were trying to stay positive. They said Luke Shoemaker, the tight end, he was he had a touchdown that was ruled back because he was an inch out of bounds when the ball crossed the line. And they, you can look at the team and say that they gave up pass interference calls in the third quarter when Philadelphia beat them, but they didn't allow a first down that allowed a score in the fourth quarter. So it's like how this team responds is definitely what I'm interested in now. And I do think that they have to get it done at home.
0: It's a huge week this week, Jason, in
2: this game. Yeah, look, we talked about the Cowboys last last week and how they haven't beaten a a, a true contender just yet. Well, this is exactly the type of game where they can go out and prove it um, in front of maybe a record breaking viewership. They beat Seattle on on Thursday Night Football, of course. Um, Great offensive performance there. Gave up a lot defensively. They're always fun to watch these Cowboys. You know, It's always going to be a bit of a shootout with them. Um, But yeah, I was was going to mention that that game, the previous game against Philadelphia as well, how the Cowboys will have come away from that, feeling like they should have won it. There was that um, goal line stand that Cowboys came up just short. They came up short on... um, four down earlier in the quarter as well passed up on a field goal opportunity half a yard short on a two-point conversion there was multiple things that just went against them down the stretch of that game where they will have come away thinking yeah, if just one of them worked out they would have beaten the eagles so they'll be roiled up for it. no shortage of the of motivation and the eagles have just come through a bit of a gauntlet you know they've played the, beginning with that last Cowboys game they've played the Chiefs the Bills and the 49ers 3 and 1 is a hugely impressive um record in those four games for the Eagles but it, it wears you down like you know this this last game against the 49ers it, it much just it gets tough to keep getting up for it week in week out against the best in the league and I think we saw the repercussions of that um this past Sunday so it is tough to keep it going they have been outgained as well yardage-wise in these last few games. So they've probably won a few games that they maybe shouldn't have. At least looking at the box score, which is a very simplified way of doing it. Um, but that's a talent in itself to, to to win a game that's that's coming down to the wire. I think ultimately, if the Cowboys do win this weekend, and I, I have them picked as well, Mick, um, I think they will get it done. And if they go top of the NFC East... I think we're still going to still see Philadelphia win win the division at the end of the year simply because of the schedules. Eagles have just come out of that gauntlet run, and the Cowboys are just about to go into a bit of their own gauntlet here. Whereas um, Philadelphia are finishing the season against the Giants twice and Arizona. So in terms of this weekend, I fancy the Cowboys. But overall, long term view of this division, I think the, the Eagles will be happy with the way things stand right now. They've had their tough stretch. They're about to have some easier games before the end of the season. Get right, because they're going to need to be um, rearing to go come January.
1: Here, and I have to say, and it's so you know fitting that you're after saying that, Jason, about who is going to win out. If the Eagles lose this, the Cowboys go top of the NFC East. But the Eagles still control their own destiny because... The way that it works is obviously um, it'll go head-to-head record which they'll have split. And if you say that they win out then they'll have the same record within the division. So then it would go to conference and it will come down to one single game. And that was a week three loss by the Dallas Cowboys to the Arizona Cardinals. That's the only game that was split them. And it's like that of all games like that was one that the the Cowboys should have had and they just like got the doors blown out to show that that's why it's so important that you look after those kind of teams when you can if it all comes down and they have to go on the road and maybe potentially Philadelphia has a first round boy maybe not now that the 49ers are playing it so well that's insane
2: one thing I'll just add yeah. there as well on on Monday we had the news that Shaq Leonard chose Philadelphia over Dallas after visiting both teams Um. so clearly signing on your contract he's going to go with the team that he thinks has the best chance at the Super Bowl so Shaq Leonard at least and believes philadelphia is the way to go so you know make it out what you will
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's make of things that we will uh, by talking very quickly with something else this week i had the pleasure uh in may to meet a guy called lachlan hart who works as an independent sound engineer producer but also with a major company also which we're not allowed to say it'll be in this podcast however back to the real story <laughs> there is a podcast mini-series called corny launching this week it's launched already by the time you've heard this in your ears do check it out on your local podcast provider it's all about neil o'donoghue a guy born in dublin played for round towers ga England dawkin who went to the us i don't want to give too much away really interesting background how you got to the states And he ended up playing in the NFL, the Bills, the Bucks, and the formerly St. Louis Cardinals. And I don't want to give any more away than that because his journey is incredible. Obviously, a kicker, the ups and downs, four part mini series podcast. I have listened, obviously, in bias mark because I've took part in this and spoke to Neil at length for hours on this podcast. Uh, to to get it over the line and just a massive thanks to to allow us to be involved it was great to be there on wednesday to launch the podcast and we appreciate lachlan support for pro football ireland it's funny because until dan whelan he was the first or the last irish born player in the nfl it just shows you how much mark that the nfl has grown in ireland that we're talking about a mini series as good as if not better than the andrew luck one in my opinion i think it's sensational
1: yeah, um bumped into Lachlan myself the other day because I work for a said unnamed company <laughs> and I bumped into him in the um in the corridor and we were just kinda of talking about the release and I do believe it is going to be publicly available. It's not uh, going to be behind a paywall if people are wondering about that because the branding, if you look out for Corny, it might suggest that it's not. Um, Don't get confused because I was confused about that. I did listen. had to stop myself from listening to all four parts. Really, I had to stop myself from listening to all four parts before doing this because unlike you, Michael, I'm not disciplined enough not to give the whole thing away. But I will say it starts, the first few seconds, it starts with, you know, booming narration of an American man talking about the game, and here trots onto the field, Neil O'Donoghue. And then it goes and it has Dublin voices and Irish voices talking about the... Not even about the NFL, talking about Dublin at a time when Neil's parents and, sorry, his mom going to World War II and how they meet the father and what Dublin was like at that time, how... You couldn't play foreign sports and how his dad got in trouble for that. And then Neil himself got in trouble for that. And it's like the romantic in me is like an Irish person. I love hearing those tales. But how this starts to build towards a professional career in the NFL. It is a magnificent podcast. It is absolutely stunning. I can't wait to get through the uh, remaining parts. And what a time for it to happen as
0: well as Daniel Whedon comes onto the scene. It's pretty cool, Jason. Have you had a chance to put your ears in yet? Dylan Cork
2: absolutely and I was very very impressed just like Mark I, I could have sat there and binged all four in, in one sitting but I restrained myself um, the whole production of it was brilliant I was hooked from that first moment as soon as the Cardinals are mentioned as well of course you know they got off on the right foot there um, as, as as a corny as a I, I don't know whether that corny nickname ever translate to the NFL Do would Americans know him by that at all I'm not I'm not sure But um, I
0: think I I think that's he he got the nickname both at home and abroad as well. Um, it's funny because Lachlan's talked to Neil's brother, Colly or Coley. I'm led to believe that's a Dublin name, and I spoke to Neil for four hours and I never asked him about his nickname. So (laughs) So it's so
1: funny, you know, um, you know, um, pro football reference has all nicknames under the sun. I think like Tom Brady is put down as like the Godfather, even though no one's ever called him that before. Neil O'Donoghue does have Cornelius Joseph Dennis O'Donohue down but no other reference which is <laughs> the one nickname that is an escape pro football reference.
2: We'll need to email them about that. But my look my main two takeaways from the, the whole podcast and his whole story because I, I did know enough about him to be honest and I wish I knew more because normally in Ireland we're so good at celebrating our athletes and to have someone as rare as playing in the NFL um, this is a great way to learn more about him. And it's great now that the likes of Dan Whedon is getting his deserved recognition as he's over there. Um, but my two main takeaways from that first podcast is, firstly, the importance of a strong family and role models to to, to make it as an athlete. And you'll hear about uh, the type of woman his mother was and his dad just sounds like class crack, to be honest, um, and then, secondly, is the importance of luck, which when you hear the story about how he got his break in America, which was to do with uh, Coley, his brother, um, you know, it's just crazy how these things all have to work out for someone to make it. And I can't, yeah, I can't wait to get on with the rest of it now.
0: You can search Corny, C O R, and then We have to say,
1: like, we're not you know, being paid or anything to we're put not, that out yeah, there. Like, not, genuinely, it was a voluntary thing completely I'm not, It was yeah. class it's class that this is out there. It's kind of one of those that I'm hoping maybe introduces other people to the NFL because they're just so intrigued by it as a sport and as a, a league for the NFL specifically. But like genuinely we're not being paid. It was we knew that this was coming out. I said We should have a listen to it. And then we were like, we have to talk about it and, you know, get ahead of
0: it almost because people should absolutely check it out. Thanks to Lachlan for letting me be a very small part of it. It's been pretty cool. Getting the chance to speak to Neil was awesome as well, especially so close to the time when uh, Dan Whelan got his chance in the NFL. So that was pretty cool. That's how I got the code. (laughs) Everyone's like, how the hell did you get that code from (laughs) Neil Donahue? That's how. Thank you to Neil and and his partner for emailing me as well. headache headache of the week Um, Monday Night Football there's two games one of them is the Dolphins playing the Titans in week 14 and look the Dolphins are a sincere sincere, considerable threat in the NFL never mind the AFC I tell you what boys I think they win the game but Derek Henry may have cleared the concussion protocol by the time this is finished recording but he is still in the concussion protocol and When you've got a guy called Tajay Spears there. Honestly, I think he could be a real factor in this game. The Dolphins, I feel, will win the game comfortably. But you're going to have sparks where I feel it Will Levis could struggle. The quarterback position could struggle for the Titans. And if you give the opportunity to Spears, who had 13 touches in the final four drives of the game in Week 13. He had 20 touches overall for 88 yards in Week 13. I don't see any reason why he can't hit 70, 80, 100 yards in week 14, even against a Dolphins team that has a stout defense. With Vic Fangio, what do you reckon, Mark?
1: Um, I reckon regard regards to Tajay Spear or about Derek Henry because I, I'm interested in that game from the point of view that Indianapolis is sitting, I think, in the sixth seed in the AFC right now, which is insane. And they were only able to just get by Tennessee, and I was kind of like, "I'm going to hear about it now the pair rankings that I won't put Indianapolis up further." But it's like, you you won thirty one to twenty eight against the Tennessee Titans. I hope the teams are able to sweep them away a bit more, even though, um, well, Levis probably had a decent enough game against the Indianapolis Colts. But yeah, I hope the I hope the Dolphins are able to uh, put them away a lot easier than the, the Colts did. Um, in terms of my own headache. We, I can I make this make sense to everyone else. It makes sense to me at least. Um, the Jags are playing the Browns this weekend. The Browns, I think, ha- there's an air of inevitability around their season. That Joe Flacco had one of the probably the second best performance we've seen from a quarterback in Cleveland this um year, and they weren't able to get across the line because it's all on the defense. We saw Moss um, Garrett playing with an injured shoulder, and they just have all the work to do. You know, at the end of the day, it all falls back in them. Sean McVay is the headache here. He opened up what I think might be the blueprint for being the Browns. Uh, they had three... To- or Matt Stafford had three touchdowns on Sunday against them. No sacks, no interceptions. A 70-yard long. And it was just like, just notify the pass rush by getting the ball off and, you know, using the air game. It's like, don't mess around with anything else. Just like, you know, beat them that way. And Doug Peterson is an equally as creative offensive play caller so when the Browns play the Jags this week I want to see how that goes for the Jags offense will they this you know it's known as a stout Browns defense do teams know how to play it now because you're not too worried about the Browns offense coming onto the field and it's like you know that Miles Garrett who you know now I'm pretty sure TJ Watts the favorite for the offense or defensive player of the year because they can kind of see that bit of regression creeping in for the brands, because there's just too much to do. They've had to deal with an insane amount of injuries.
0: Jay Hears, I'm going to call Jay Bell, Jay, Jay Bell, Jay Hears. Who have you got for your headache of the week?
2: I like that. That's thinking outside of the box with, with Mark's headache there. Well, we talked about the positives in Green Bay and what's been going well for them um, these last few weeks, but. I do think their rush defence is still a concern and it is the the biggest weakness on the on the overall team. Isaiah Pache- Pacheco um, on Sunday Night Football last week went for over 100 against him, an average 6.1 yards per carry. And overall on the season, Green Bay is conceding um, 136 rush yards per game. They're going to New York this week and New York, of course, have a certain running back called Saquon Barkley. Um, so I think that will be their ultimate headache uh, towards winning this game. You know, the Giants are becoming a bit of a feisty team behind um, the man himself. The, the, there's no word for it, he says. But Tommy DeVito, Jesus, that would sound weird on the audio podcast. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley is is going to cause a headache in Green Bay. They need to figure out how to stop because they don't have much margin for error. They've got to win games like this if they're going to make the playoffs. And it'll start with stopping Saquon.
0: It will. It will. Week 14 of the NFL season. And always good to hear your headaches. Do let us know if, folks, if you have a headache of your choice, maybe it's my lovely Dulcet and tone. I don't know. The comments, the negative comments have stopped anyway from some prick. So I'm happy enough, Mark, at the minute. So we'll send him more there. not will get in trouble for that. But we've got five more regular Sundays left of the NFL <laughs> season. Um, and... Before we know it, Mark will be buying everybody's Starbucks in Vegas because apparently it's twenty seven dollars a minute. So, oh, not looking forward to that, but looking forward to getting. Yeah, it's going to be tight that week. I, like, I mean, I just remember last week. The I just hope the New Orleans committee have good donuts and all in the morning because I'll be stocking up on that. To be honest with you, I can't wait. Um, that's next for us. If you're on the island of Ireland, north or south of the border, wherever you're from, whatever you call it, I don't care. Come to one of our shows. L I N K T R. E E slash Reinbold or slash NFL Ireland as well. Jeff is coming to Galway, Cork, Limerick, Dundalk, Belfast, Derry. And the slash- big one Dublin and Dunganon. um So <laughs> keep her lit, boys. Um, we're obviously presented by either the sport, the official betting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Boys, I gotta go. I gotta go mark safe travels and to everybody else have a lovely week 14 jay hayes i'll see you in belfast on sunday at the christmas markets for everybody else have a great week chat to you soon